Michael Osterlink here, and I'm talking to Gary Collins. He has a very interesting, unique background that includes military intelligence, special agent for the U.S. State Department Diplomatic Security Service, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Collins' background and expert knowledge brings a much-needed perspective to today's areas of simple living, health, nutrition, entrepreneurship, self-help, and being more self-reliant. He holds an A.S. degree in exercise science, B.S. in criminal justice, and an M.S. in forensic science. He is the author of a multitude of books, but today we're going to be talking about this particular book, The Simple Life Guide to Decluttering Your Life, How-To Book of Doing More with Less and Focusing on the Things That Matter. How you doing, Gary? Got my, I finally got my own copy. <laughs> Excellent. Is it a good book? Did you read it? Did you enjoy it? <laughs> I, I read it. I wrote a, a stellar review, um, sent the guy an email. It worked out well. So Nice, nice. Well, yeah. it, it is an excellent book. I'm, I'm not surprised you gave it a thumbs up when you did your review. <laughs> I'm a little um, biased, yeah. <laughs> just slightly. So, you know, one of the concepts I want to contrast against in what you do a deep dive into your book is you, you at the beginning of the book, talk about the maximum consumption lifestyle which is kind of characterizes the United States, the Americans, as we now live our lives. What is that? And then compare and contrast what you are suggesting we live against that. And then we can kind of do a deep dive into your book. Sure. Um, hopefully I won't go too far in the weeds on, I go off on tangents. So you got you to bring me back in every once in a while. But the reason I wrote that and start off with that is I had to learn it on my own. I grew up very simply. I grew up in the mountains in the sticks, very poor. Um, you know, my most, you know, my possessions that I loved the most were my baseball mitt, my basketball, my football, my bike, you know, and, and my little Walkman. Now that's how, yeah, I'm old. I remember Walkmans, the original one. I see all the gray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my roller skates. Right. Um, <laughs> but you know, those were my, you know, I was the happiest and I, I had very little in a way. And then when I got a little older, I bought my first car when I was 15, you know, and that was my, you know, transportation and getting to practice and a little bit of freedom. So, you know, I, I kind of lost path. And as I went through life, I, you know, I realized I, you know, as most Americans is we're just ingrained to be consumers. I mean, our economy is 70% based upon consumerism. That's what it is. Our, the American economy is a consumer economy. So what does that mean by definition? Because we hear that a lot. Well, what it means is we buy a lot of crap that we don't need. That's what it boils down to. And we've been told that those, that crap is going to fill a void of unhappiness and make you happy, basically. And when I grew up, think of it, I had four channels on, on over-the-air TV. The, you know, we're exposed to commercials, obviously, but today you're, we're bombarded. I mean, everything. And I give an example in there of when we got our Funk and Wagnalls encyclopedia set, me and my sister. And we were just thrilled. That was, you know, that was all of our information, right? And we spent numerous hours just, you know, our parents would go when we were bored causing problems. Why don't you go look at the encyclopedias or go look this up? And of course, we'd go in there and, you know, go through and it had pictures and it was amazing. But there was no ads in there. I don't remember any ads in my encyclopedia set. You open up anything today, it's first thing you're going to see is an ad. And I, I think the average um, child today is exposed. I may have my stat wrong, but I think 25,000 ads a year, something like that. It might be way more than that. Um, 
but with that, so what we, we were told throughout life is you got to buy. From the moment we, we can figure something out, buy it. Buy, buy, buy. And what I learned, I went through life doing that too. I had gotten in a little over my skis, uh, not financially too bad, but I definitely hit, hit some times where I was like, what the heck am I doing? And we discussed, me and you were talking uh, uh, yesterday about, or the day before, about me and uh, spending all this time on silverware because I just recently had to buy some silverware for this house. You know, it, it was like 10 pieces of silverware <laughs> and I bought them individually. You know, it was one of those, I grouped a small set together and uh, for this other house in San Diego, I spent days searching for the proper silverware and my dining room table and I ate at that dining room table four or five times the entire time I owned it. And I just, that when I bought this silverware uh, this week, it brought back all these memories. I remember touching it and just pulling it out of the little bins and it just all of a sudden that flooded back to me of the last time I bought silverware, how much time and effort I put into it. And it was expensive. I think the set, 150, 200 bucks, I want to say. Surprised. Stupid, right? Um, and, but that's kind of an example of what we're taught, right? It's, you got to keep buying these shiny objects, these shiny objects. And it's no secret today that this is not working. Ultimate consumerism is not working. We're, we're the worst health we've ever been in. We're depressed. Yeah. We suffer from anxiety, improper sleep. You know, we're just not happy. And so I had to self-reflect and take my transition of life that I started about 10 years ago now, if not a little longer. And that's where that root of that chapter and the introduction of that came from is, you know, the opposite side of that. And what I talk about is less is more. We've heard that a lot. It's a cliche, right? Somewhat. Um, but it's, it's true because I had to go back to the things that I felt were important. So I sold everything, sold my house took a huge loss on it, um, bit the bullet, uh, had to restructure my life. I, it reduced my expenditures per month by two thirds. I moved into a, 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 what would be considered a teeny home today. It was a cottage in a remote part of San Diego, a more remote part, you know, and I just got rid of everything. I sold everything. I put it on Craigslist, sold most of it in 48 hours, made about $10,000 off all this crap. And guess what was the last piece to take off that stupid dining room table that was the last thing I loaded up on a guy's SUV we put it on his roof it was an interesting I remember him driving away going oh god but was there a defining moment that had that, like a light bulb went off you're like oh wait I need to think about how I'm living my life were there a series of moments was it a conversation like what what initiated this whole shift in your consciousness around consumption and living your life you know basically yeah well and people aren't familiar with me. I spent, at that point, I'd been, half my life had been in the government in one form or another, between the military, law enforcement. Um, I was even working for uh, the city government in college as an intern, as a paid intern in uh, the district attorney's office. So I'd been working in the government for a long time. And so I think I was on the road of already kind of realizing that things just, the, 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 the line I'd been sold through my life wasn't working. I, I just remember uh, one of the defining moments was a meeting I had with one of my bosses and I was looking out the window and I can hear just da, 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 the usual and I just went, 
what am I doing? What am I doing? Because I, I, at that point, I think I had come to a, a point in my life where I went, am I making a difference? I think that was the main question. You know, here I am in law enforcement. I've been serving my country, you know, doing the right thing. And I don't, I don't regret it for a second. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I just kind of realized that, you know, if I'm gone tomorrow, the beast ain't slowing down. Nothing's going to change. You know, I'm just an, I hate to say it, but I felt like an insignificant piece in the machinery. And I just didn't feel like I was making a difference anymore. And, and I wasn't happy. So I was like, what do I need to do? And it was, I'm not going to lie. It was a rough period. It was some serious, serious self-reflection and, and going, what have I become? Am I happy with what I've become? Is this me? And so I had to just basically rip the bandaid off and start life anew is the best way to put it. And take, and what I did is I reflected upon my childhood growing up poor growing up remotely, not having a whole lot of stuff. But I don't remember, you know, being truly unhappy or anything. I grew up rough. It wasn't an easy life, but we all did. We didn't know any different. We were all poor in a small town. You know, some were poorer than others. That's just the way it was. And I kind of got back to the roots of that, you know, of that kind of lifestyle. And I'd been wanting to uh, build a house remotely. And off the grid was a goal and I'd had it in the, this is before the TV programs and it became, you know, I had the plan and it just kind of spurred everything along and I left the government and had, like I said, had to do this uh, kind of uh, life metamorphosis and, and, and change directions. And that's what I write about. And, and you write about there's five guiding principles that seem yeah. to kind of help you move in the direction that you're now living through. And their principles that you recommend others to follow. So maybe my, now might be a good time to, to, to kind of walk through each of the principles. That's sure. Okay. Yeah. So the first principle is knowledge is power. Understanding why, not just what. So yours is not your book. The simple life is not like a checklist. Oh, clean your drawers, do this and do this, or get rid of this out of your, you know, out of your bedroom or your, you know, your your living room or whatever. I mean, you do talk about various specific things that need to get done. But you're asking more of the question of, 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 of um, why and then the what comes after that. Talk, you know, ex unpack that for us. Well, and, and with all my books, what I try and do is I try and write the book I wish I had, right? Yeah. And, and that's the whole point. And from life experience, I, I really do not enjoy books that people write and they have no background in it. And they're just writing a book. I, I just don't like that on the self-help side. And I've read plenty of them. Um, not that they're bad. Hey, if I can pull something out of it, that, that's great. That's the whole goal. You know, if I get a nugget out of each book, hey, I'm happy with that. But for me, it was more about putting together some principles that I followed. I mean, these were, and I was teaching clients. I was, uh, I left and started a health consulting company afterwards and was working with high, high-end athletes and doing all that kind of stuff. And I wrote a couple books to help clients. And that's where all this kind of started. A long pathway, but I, those principles I was teaching clients and that I was utilizing, knowledge is power was kind of, I felt that we had lost our way. It was the beginning of social media. The internet had been around for a while, but I felt that more, most people just wanted a quick fix, the quick answer, the magic pill, and they could care less about the, the why. Mm -hmm. They wanted all, all the how, the how-to minus the why. And I'm all, if you don't understand, if you don't have the basic knowledge of what you're trying to change, 
it's not going to work because you're just following a checklist Absolutely. and you don't understand the checklist you're following. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, why am I eating a, 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 a ketogenic diet since that's the buzzword now? We won't get into that. But you know what I mean? It's, if you don't know why, you're not probably not good. You're going to apply it incorrectly, first of all, because you're not going to understand the concept um, and why it works. To me, the whys are the most important part. Anyone can give you a checklist. Yeah, and, you know, and your why fits nicely with a lot of your chapters because you you're, you don't just talk about you know decluttering of like your house or your apartment, but decluttering your mind, decluttering your finances, yeah, uh, decluttering your technology, decluttering your health. So your why is like a larger context. It's not just a why for a particular like room in your house. It's like a why for your whole life. And that's where my books come from. Um, it's about changing your life. And not that I'm a, trust me, not that I am a life clairvoyant by any stretch. You know, I, I learn my lessons as I go and I make a ton of mistakes. And I like to share my mistakes, you know, the light bulb moments. And I always say, you know, it's not, the good times don't define you. It's when, when things go really bad and how you react to those things is what defines you. That's what builds your character. And so, you have to fall to get up, you know, and that's how I look at it. And, and for me, you know, a lot of us, we're going to fall. I have a good saying. I, I don't know where I even came up with this one. I, I took it off an but you always hear that failure is not an option, especially us who are in the military, law enforcement. I have a different one. I say failure is not an option, but it's a certainty. And it's how you react to that, that failure that's, that, again, is going to define you. And if you look at it that way, that, you know, failure is 100% going to happen. No one goes through life without failure. No one. So I look at it as lessons. You know, you take your lessons and all I'm doing is trying to share those lessons with other people, but it all came from knowledge. I had to learn this. One of your other lessons I would call is very anti-American because it's uh, the principle number two, which is uh, avoid extremes. There's no quick fixes, which I joke yeah. American because we seem as a culture and as a country like immediate gratification. But you're suggesting that in terms of all the work that you're, you're teaching us, yeah. there are no quick fixes. Speaking when I think that directly ties into the consumerism, right? Our consumerism based economic model today is based upon instant gratification. It's, you know, most people will spend far more time trying to shop for a TV than they will researching their doctor. Yeah. No, you know, no, no, no. big time. And most people will spend much more time and money on their couch than they will on their diet. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it, it's one of those, we have our priorities all screwed up. And our priority right now is fill the void, fill it quickly, give me what I want right now. Yeah. And it just doesn't work that way. Anything that is worth, anything you're trying to change that is worth the effort takes time. It's like health. I used to tell my clients to go, if you're not ready to dedicate 12 to 18 months straight and, and we'll go through it step by step, it's not going to work. You can't change your health overnight. It does not happen. We'll get to your chapter on decluttering your health, but since we're yeah. talking about health, I might as well plug your book. You actually have a book. Uh, the Simple Life Guide to Optimal Health, How to Get Healthy and Feel Better Than Ever. So for folks interested in, in, in improving their health, I mean, let me encourage them to check out your book. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, the third uh, in, in your series of five principles is KISS or Keep It Simple. You don't call yeah. it simple, stupid, just call it you know, Keep It Simple. 
Um, talk about why simplicity is important. And you talk about less is more. That's kind of like the tagline for KISS. Well, and we, we're guilty of overthinking things, right? Um, humans, are, we're, we're geared to learn. I mean, our brain is wired to consistently learn, and that's a survival mechanism. And, you know, that saying, if you're not learning, you're dead. Yeah. Very, you know, that's not a false statement. That's, you know, that's, a, that's a real, in the real world of humans as organisms, that is 100% true. Right. And, 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 and to keep it simple, the reason I came up with that too is I was, you know, spending half my life in the, in the government. How many times did I hear the KISS principle? Keep it simple, stupid. And how often did we use it? Almost never. It was convoluted, complicated, you know, standard operating procedure might as well been some Einstein algorithm of something because it was mind numbing, the complexities I would deal with. And I go, why are we doing it this way? And the answer I always got was because this is how we always do it. Okay, that sounds brilliant. Um, so it was almost kind of my anti uh government, not, no, not in that way. I'm not an anarchist and yeah. I'm not looking to burn down the government by any stretch. Um, but it was more of, I just felt the government could have benefited from that statement of actually following what they were preaching. And I felt that's what it had seeped into everyday life. And I, I, especially health, I would talk to people and they would come to me. You've seen this article. Oh, check this out. Oh, I was on this website. Oh, I signed up for this. Oh, I bought this up. I'm all, do you know what any of this stuff means? And they're all, huh? And they just would jump and overdo it, overdo it, overdo it. And it's simple. Keep it simple. Step by step. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, and we're, we're really good at that too, is we just jump in and we jump in without thinking. And then it doesn't work. And then we jump back out, look for something else and we jump back in. And I'm more of a, you know, what's step one? And what I teach is health, right? It's still the cornerstone of what I teach. Everything, and we'll, we'll get in more of that. But that is where really the kiss simple, because uh, as animals, what we need to be healthy is actually very basic. Once you break it down to the nuts and bolts of being a human, it's not that complicated. Which we will here in a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of where that came from. Uh, your fourth principle is uh, something is better than nothing. A little changes add up. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting because that's also, um, in joking way, kind of anti-American. You know, we like to jump in full, you know, full feet head into the whatever it is. Um, and we don't like incremental steps because we don't recognize, I don't think, that they do add up to huge changes in our lives. 1% better every day is, is much better than jumping at 100% and getting nothing done. Talk to us about why that's so important to you. Well, and it flows into to number five, which is, uh, what is it? Do something today and every day. I can't even remember yeah. all my principles. Take care. Um, yeah, there you go. And, uh, and the reason I tied those together, even though they sound kind of redundant, but they're not, most people look at either you go all in or you don't do anything today, right? And again, we'll get back to the health example. People love to do their New Year's resolution and their New Year's resolution, the number one is always health, right? Lose weight, diet. And so they go out, spend a thousand bucks on, you know, wicking shirts and, you know, non-friction shorts and gels and goos and, you know, shoes and they never use any of it. And they, it sits in the closet, they last two weeks and then they're done. Instead of going, okay, what can I do today 
well, I've got these things called feet, you know, the original automobiles. How about I go walk? How about I go for a walk today? God forbid, how simple is that? Mm-hmm. And people will blow by that one a million times. I go, just get outside every night and go for a walk for 45 minutes an hour. Take the kids, take the dogs, go. And that action, so that's the first step, right? And then you take, add another step. So do something today. Whatever you can do today, do it. And you'll like this. I used to carry, uh, I've talked about this in the past. I used to carry a emergency workout kit is what I called it in the government. I would carry it in the back of my government car because I'd out, be out surveillance. I'm in cities doing, I would jump out uh, my lunch break. I'd have it in the back of my car. It was a pair of running shoes, socks, shirt, and a pair of shorts. And I would go out and I could go exercise and, you know, I would go do pull-ups, go run, do whatever. Cause there's always a park around or just a neighborhood. I would jump out in neighborhoods sometimes and take off, but it was, it was what I could do. Right. And I knew that I would feel much better by doing it. Instead of making an excuse, I just simple put a bag in the back of my car with my gear. Yeah. So it was my gym on the go. Yeah. And I use that thing many times. Um, you know, so yeah, again, just what can you do today? And that, you know, since we, you, you brought up health a few times, why don't we segue into that? Do you have a whole chapter on decluttering your health? And I know you, you use uh, evolutionary biology as, as a framework to kind of look. You've already acknowledged, like, you know, it's pretty simple. What, what do human beings need to be healthy? Speak to that. Well, and that's, I, I wanted to start with the book with health, you know, decluttering your health. And again, we overthink everything, right? We need the latest, you know, diet plan. We need the latest food product. I mean, the latest uh, electrolyte drink, which is complete BS. I, I laugh at, I've been laughing at electrolyte. The electrolyte drink is water. That's what it's called. That's, that's your drink. <laughs> I just have always been fascinated by our uh, food. Well, being a former food and FDA special agent, I'm not. But, you know, it's just there's enough items in a grocery. I think there's around 48,000 items in the average grocery store today. Again, it would take you like 125 years if you bought an item a day in the average grocery store today to try them all. When you, and I always taught my clients this and I teach people this, take a step back. What would you have access to if you were to put yourself in the natural habitat of a human, which is outdoors? That's where we're from. That's, we came from the ground, we'll return to the ground. You always hear me say that. That you look around, what would be your food sources? Well, you'd have to have a natural, you'd have to have a source of water. We always lived near water because without it, we will die very quickly. Animals, plants, nuts, seeds, and some fruits. Fruit in nature is pretty rare. It's hard to find. And it's seasonal. It's seasonal, right. It's seasonal. And I have wild raspberries. I go here. I have about four to six weeks where I can pick them. And me and my dog will walk, and I just eat them right off the, right off the bush. Um, but, you know, it's, I have basically six weeks where I can get them. And that's it. They're gone. So look at it that way. What would you have access to? And all the things that keep the human going are in abundance in nature for the most part. They're already there. That's it. And, and when you break it down to those principles, and you got to tweak it a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm oversimplifying it. You know, obviously there's ratios of, you know, protein and carbs and all that, but that's a, a modern thing because we never looked at, no one was, our, no ancestor, our ancestors were not counting fat calories, 
figuring out how many carbs they were having. Were they going low carb this week? We just ate what we could get. And we moved and exercised. There was, there was an obesity that far as we know in, I'm not talking recent into modern, I'd be pre-agriculture, pre-10,000 years ago. You know, because I always joke that a fat person is nothing but a slow, tasty snack for a predator. You didn't want to be fat. You needed to move and you needed to have your, your shit together. I mean, there was no hoarding food, no hoarding items. It was, it was a different life. Yeah. So that's kind of how I break it down on the, on the health side is just keep it simple. Don't overthink it. So uh, simple in terms of eating, you kind of laid out some of the things that are available in a natural environment, uh, seeds, nuts, meats, veggies, seasonal fruits. Um, yeah. The fitness movement. What's that? Fitness and movement, sleep. Oh, again, and people are fascinated because uh, I've held people go, oh, you don't do that, Gary. I've been doing my plan, exercise plan for decades. <laughs> it's changed here and there, but you'll see. There's my pull-up dip bar. This is my off-the-grid house. You know, I've got a weight bench right there and some dial weights. Um, I've got, you know, 40 acres of where me and my dog run. I ride my bikes. That's it. Uh, the biggest things I tell people, if you can go walk every night, dips, pull-ups, push-ups, planks, you know, some, you know, either crunches, some abdominal exercises, you're good. You're good. That's natural movements. Those are movements that humans would do. You know, lift heavy things every once in a while. Go out and do some sprinting if you can run and sprint. If you can't, get on a bike, swim. I mean, we just think of the industry of all these uh, gyro, gyrating machines that you can buy at 2 a.m. for a handy, you know, payment plan of $99.95 for the next 35 years um, that's going to sit under your bed. It, yeah. you don't need it's, that. it's amazing because you know, functional fitness, lifting, carrying, throwing, climbing, crawling, walking, running, yeah. you know, it's pretty swimming and then some, maybe some hand-to-hand combat, you know, it's pretty simple, but actually quite complex in that if most people try to do those things because you can't do it on a machine you have to do them in a natural environment for the most part a lot of people can't do that and i'll just give myself an example i got trained in movenet erwan's uh, system and uh they said show us how you crawl i'm like i can crawl i mean you know i couldn't crawl like i i could not crawl properly show us how you walk run you know all these movements which i've trained my whole life doing i could not do them uh, uh, correct based on, you know, anatomy, physiology, and gravity. So I'm setting myself up for a lot of injuries over time. And it's just amazing, like just learning basic functional movements, how hard it was. And yet I could do really complex martial art movements, but over time I probably injure myself because I was, you know, the basics were not in place. Did you, you find out some of your clients that you work with that they might be amazing athletes in their particular sport or their particular field of whatever it is, martial arts, whatever, and yet they don't have the basics down. Yeah. And that's why we start with, you know, beginner clients with walking. I always say, Hey, we get, you got to walk. You got to give me two weeks of walking every night before we'll even pick up any sort of weight or do anything. And if you're very overweight, we've got to get your weight in check before we're going to be doing any type of resistance training, body weight, anything. And, you know, it's conditioning. We have to get the nutrition, proper nutrition in you as well so you can repair. We have to go over the, very, you know, the basics, proper sleep, hydration, you know, get some stretching in, yeah. walk, 
you start with that. And I was very, I've always been very successful at clients avoiding injuries. And cause I do, I mean, I don't purposely avoid injuries. I don't, you know, but my way I do things is injury avoidance in the sense, cause I do them properly, you know, and I'm, uh, it doesn't mean you're never going to get injured. That's just life. Yeah. It happens, you know, but over, you know, decades of being an athlete and training, I have a pretty good idea what's going to hurt me and what's not and what's going to affect other clients. And that's why you always have to go to your level. And you're right. Most people, I've had clients that literally go, I don't really know. I went out and walked and the next day I was really sore from walking. And it's because they hadn't walked over, you know, a hundred steps in years. You know, it was from the couch to the kitchen to the TV, to the bedroom, to the car, to the office, to the grocery store. They never walked, they walked nowhere, hardly. And that's where, I mean, we've really become disconnected and it's no secret. I mean, in the health battle as Americans, we're losing it and we're losing it badly. I mean, you look around, we got a problem and we got a major problem. Really uh, disturbing stats in your book in terms of uh, the various uh, health conditions that we now face as a country. and we are going to eat ourselves to death, basically. Well, having this overabundance of food is something very new to us, yeah. you know? And, you know, that's again, out in nature, you couldn't just walk to the refrigerator at midnight and pound, a, you know, a, a pint of Haagen-Dazs. Yeah. It didn't exist. So all these foods and these processed foods and having all this food in abundance is a very new thing. Like all animals, humans starved, had, had periods of starvation, you know? Um, and I guess that's a little different for me. I grew up in, in the mountains and grew up hunting and fishing. So I was a little more in ranchers around me. So I was a little more in tune with animals and animal life. Not that I was an expert by any stretch, but you see that. You see that in nature. You, you would come upon an animal that was, you know, emaciated and it was because it was a rough, rough winter. Or, you know, there just isn't, you know, it was a bad year for rabbits and squirrels, which the foxes and coyotes would primarily feed off of. So they would diminish and the ones that were around looked really rough, skinny. That's nature. You know, there's a balance to everything. And not only that, the reason I start with health is far as it's the hardest one. It's the biggest elephant in the room that we love to avoid. You know, there was a statistic, I think that came from the CDC, if I remember right, about they did a survey on, I think it was over 65% of Americans or 70% of Americans considered themselves healthy and in good shape. And the statistics show the complete flip side of that. It's statistically, it's the opposite. But in our mind, we're all, oh, I'm healthy. And, and it's like, no, no, we're not. Not even close. But that's why I tell people, start here. It's the hardest one and it's the one that will give you all the benefits to do all the other things I teach, all the things you want. It gives you, it'll help your relationships. You feel better. You're more active, better cognitive function, better mood control. You know, everything is tied to your health. Everything, everything you do in life is tied to your health. Start there and everything else becomes much easier. Including your mind and brain. And yep. Your, uh, chapters is uh, decluttering your mind. So why don't we segue to there? What do you mean by decluttering your mind? Well, today we're bombarded. I mean, when you look at, and I, I know I use this all the time, but I look at our ancestral, you know, roots, where we came from, what we would be exposed to. You know, we have these senses for survival. You know, that's what they're for. Communication, survival. 
Today, we use them completely differently. You know, it's bombardment by these external sources that the human body just doesn't know how to process. So instead of, you know, normal stimuli for a human being is being exposed to nature, looking around, you know, being alert. There's predators, you know, interaction, you know, with other people, which would have been far less. Our communities would have been traditionally 150 or less, traditionally 50 or less. They'd be small communities. So your interaction was very different with other people. You know, now we have traffic, we have billboards, we have computers, we have cell phones, you know, your alarm clock, everything. It's nonstop stimulation all the time. Well, that overwhelms us. So you have to turn off the noise is what I call it. You know, you have to back away and go, okay, what is important? What do I need to focus on? Not what does everyone want me to focus on, what do I need to focus on that's going to make my life better? And that's why I brought up meditation, which has, you know, been kind of, you know, mindfulness. It's been kind of a, a, a hot topic. And, but I take a little different perspective of it. You know, for me, I put the meditation piece in not to give you a whole chapter. And it's not a chapter on meditation. It's a couple paragraphs because it's that simple. I have my meditation technique is 10 breaths in my, in my nose, out my mouth, 10 breaths in my mouth, out my nose, eyes closed, quiet, done. That's it. And it completely erases the slate. I'm calmer. I do it a couple times a day. Or I, I, when I'm up at my house, for most of you, I don't need to do it. I'm outside. It's all quiet. You know, I'm meditating in nature. And that's how I, with me and my dog, our walk, you know, our hour-long walk every night, if not longer in the good weather, that's my meditation. And so it's calming everything down. And, and I give an example too of people who don't understand for me half, you know, seven months of my year, cause I don't live here all year long, but is a calming effect. I mean, when I get up here, there, it's, I lose track of days. I don't, you know, I don't have a work I don't work a work week like everyone else. I don't do a nine to five Monday through Friday. I work the days I need to work. I work on my own schedule. And one thing that I'm going to write a chapter on this, actually a, a blog post in another book is um, I'm, I'm losing my mind and I like it. And here, and it's a play on words a little bit, but it's because what I'm noticing as I've progressed and, and I live in the moment and I'm forward thinking, and this has taken a lot of work on my part to do this. This is not, trust me, I'm no genius at this. I've been working and failing for years. And I figured it out as I look forward to things now, like I'm moving forward, I'm planning forward. I'm, I'm not looking back and going, oh God, this, that, worrying about this. Oh God, Donald Trump said this or President Obama did this. Who cares? What does it, how does it affect me? It doesn't. I just look forward. What do I need to do to make my life better, happier, provide my services to people? I notice I forget things. And you would go, well, that sounds bad. No, 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 no. I'm forgetting because I'm only living forward. I'm worried about the future and planning for things to be the way, you know, better and live the life I want. The things in the past are done. They're gone. You know, the lessons still stay, but everything else is just taking up space, if that makes sense. You know, the things, you know, we tend to look back at things and kind of, kind of stress out about them, right? Oh, I wish I would have said this. Oh, I would. It's done. It's done. It's over. You can't change it. You just got to change what you move, do moving forward. That's would it. You, would you ever, though, 
recapitulate something you did just to pick out the lesson so you can learn the lesson to move forward with? Well, that's what I mean. The lessons stay. That's what I've noticed. It's weird. The, the human mind is the most amazing thing that we know in our universe right now. We, we do, we're just starting to understand it. We, you know, reality is a concept. We don't understand reality. It's a concept, but we don't understand how it works. What gives a human consciousness? We don't know. What makes me alive? I don't know. All I know is I'm here. And I'm here for a time that I don't even know. There's no set time. I'm here. I'm living in the now. I got to figure it out, right? So the lessons stay. That's the, the very interesting, but think about that. That's a survival mechanism. It, you know, we call it imprinting. Um, there's a different, couple of different terms for imprinting, how, the, how it's defined and used. But imprinting, as I define it in the book, is basically a, a lesson or a life event that usually is a negative but it imprints because, you know, like putting your hand on the stove when you're a kid and burning your hand or touching your mom's curling iron or whatever. You remember those because that's a survival mechanism. Your brain says, don't do that one again, right? The good stuff, you don't remember as much, I've noticed, as you start moving focus forward because there's not a whole lot of lesson in it, right? It's not a survival mechanism. The good things happen and you go, okay, I'm going to enjoy that good thing now. And then I'm moving on. It's a weird mechanism. And I wish I had the magic sauce to explain it. I'm probably doing a very poor job, but that's what I've noticed with me is I, I, w I was going through a box of stuff and all these accomplishments I had in the government, all these awards I'd won and all these things over. And I went, I totally didn't remember. Wow. They were gone until I looked at them. I went, I didn't even remember that. Because you know what, what the impact does it have on my life right now? None, none, you know, and that's what I mean. It's, it's taking the thought process and getting out of that victimhood, poor me. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could change, but I can't. Instead of using excuses, it's more of, I use the pull the bandaid off approach. It's going to be painful. It's going to suck. But the quicker I get it over with, the more I can look forward to other things and move my life forward. Right, right. And like I said, it took a long time for me to condition myself, but that's part of decluttering your mind is focusing on the things you can change. Don't worry about the things you can't change. You know, it's like getting your news in doses. You know, I was in the ground. I used to be a news talk, you know, news radio talk junkie, and it drove me absolutely bonkers. I get my news in short little pieces and it's just enough to know what's going on because let's face it, a lot of the stuff going on in the world. And remember, we have world news now. We're exposed to news from everywhere and a small little sliver of that might have an impact on your life. That's it. And it sounds kind of selfish in a way because it, people go, what are you tuning out? Yes and no. I call it one foot in, one foot out. It's not like I've detached myself from modern society, but I didn't, get to, I didn't get to create this reality. I was dumped into it. Luckily, I was dumped into, you know, what is considered the freest country in the world, right? There's some debate on that. We're not going to get into that. Yeah, you know. Hey, I don't look at it as poor me. But I've been to some pretty crappy places, and we got it pretty good. So it's quit your bitching and get on with it you know, is my attitude because I've done plenty of it myself. <laughs> so, you know, and that's what I mean. It's, I think if you can do that and incorporate of 
change the things you can change, the things that you can affect. And, and you do that, and I, I kid you not, it's almost like a haze is lifted off you. Um, your stress levels are greatly diminished. And that's just the way I look at life now. I, I know that was long-winded, but... No, no, and actually, it's really interesting because it fits really well. You probably know this, but like the Stoic philosophy, for some interesting reason, is becoming really, really popular these days. Lots of books and seminars and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and that the ph- part of your philosophy that you're articulating, it seems to me, is like ancient. It's like, you know, you know, first of all, the first thing you said a while back in our, in our conversation was, you know, manage yourself. Your character shows when you're in a difficult situation how you show up in that situation. That's very stoic in terms of the stoic philosophy. And then also, you know, there's certain things you can't change in your environment. So complaining about it, bitching about it, worrying about it, it's a waste of energy. What can you actually make changes in yourself and some things in your environment and some of your relationships? So, you know, you're you're articulating a philosophy that goes back thousands of years and is much needed today. Well, that's, I mean, I think we've got the the cart before the horse in a lot of cases, and I've done it. That's, I mean, these are my own lessons in helping other people try and change their lives and get on, get on path. But that's why I put the beginning of finding your purpose, your life purpose. Yeah. That was the big thing I found lacking today for most people is they lack purpose. You have to find your purpose to, to enjoy and live this life. You have to, you know, you've got, there's got to be, uh, what you do is not just for you, but for the greater good. If you could do something that you didn't make money doing, what would you do? You know, we talked about that, um, before about, you know, finding your purpose. You know, I give the example of, you know, Elon Musk, one of the greatest inventors of our lifetime. That's his purpose. Is that going to be our purpose? Probably not. So I give the flip side of the person who's passionate about making, you know, artisan chocolate and making this, you know, is really into making chocolate that's better than anything out there. Small batches, you know, is always exploring old techniques and figuring it out. And people go, what the heck does that have to do with purpose? And that's what I mean. We overthink things. So this person goes, you know what? I love making uh, chocolate treats and small desserts and healthier desserts for people. I'm going to start my own shop. I'm going to leave my job at the accounting firm and I'm going to create this. And I'm passionate about that. And they go, well, how does that affect other people's lives? Well, think about this traditionally small mom and pop businesses. So people come from all over to get your product. They bring their kids there. Their kids will bring their kids there. You generationally will give the business to your kids and it becomes this whole setting of people's lives where they look back and, you know, you remember Don's chocolate shop or Sherry's chocolate shop? Oh, man, every time I'm in, you know, I'm in Nebraska or wherever, New York, I go there. I take my family. I take my relatives. We all go there. We've been going there for 100 years, say. You know what I mean? And see, that's what I mean. You overthink it. And, but think of that. The, the effect that had on your life and people's surrounding lives, long as they didn't eat too much of it, obviously. You don't want to go there every day. But you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it, it, again, simplicity. When you your clients on finding their why, um, do you find that majority of them never even ask that question? And then don't, once they realize they haven't asked the question, don't know, like you even had to proceed down that path? 
Well, that's why I wrote my initial books. And trust me, I was clueless. I do not have a background in writing and publishing books by any stretch. But it came from working with my clients. I kept getting asked the same questions over and over and over again. And I would explain it to them and then they would get home and they would shoot me a text or an email asking me the same stuff we just covered. And I went, you know what? I've got to put this in the book because it was the whys. It was the hows, but it was with the whys. They were forgetting the whys. The how-to stuff they could remember much better, but the whys would just blow right by them. It was almost zero retention. That's where those books came from, the initial health books that I wrote. Um, and I wish they would disappear, but they're still around. Um, you know, your first published books are always make every, he always makes you cringe. But the information was good. Um, people still talk to me about them. Um, but that's why I wrote the books. I said, I've got to give them the hows in writing. Or I mean the whys in writing. I've got to give them the, the information so they have it as a source. And that, you're right. That was one of the things I realized. I thought, you know, the stuff I knew, because I dealt with it every day. I was in health, in athletics, a huge part of my life, even though I worked in the government and all that. I realized most people didn't have, you know, just basic understanding one. I mean, you ask them, what's a carbohydrate? And they look at it and you go, oh, I don't know. What's fat? Uh, I don't know. What's a calorie? Uh, you know, and if you, you, you it, if you don't have that basic understanding of how the human body works and how it processes nutrients and calories, how are you going to change? Yeah. And you're right. A lot of the, the whys are lost and they're the most important part because the hows come from the whys. Yeah. I find a, a lot of folks that I work with and I'm wondering if this is the same for you when they start engaging with their questioning about like, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? They, they start reflecting back and looking at like um, my cultural conditioning, my family of origin, all that kind of put me on a path. It wasn't my path. It wasn't something innate in me that drove me in that direction, but it's kind of the expectation of my subculture, my culture, my religion, my family of origin, whatever it is. But most people never ask that question. They just kind of flow into that lane. <laughs> and they're like, you know, they're 30, 40, 50, or 60 years old. And they're like, what, fuck, why am I here? What am I here to accomplish? Well, and it's funny you say that because why am I here is the, the lifelong or of, of humans. I mean, that is the original question. Once humans could communicate and started, you know, the first, you know, uh, you know, drawings and the first writing, and, and that was the first thing. I started, why are we here? What is our purpose? And we have moved so far away from that. And that's why I had to, again, put the purpose, life purpose in there. Because I find most people don't even ask the, why am I here? It's, it's more of, uh, I need this. Fulfill me now. Yeah, yeah. It, and they've gone right past that. And I sit around and, you know, out here I'll stare at the stars and I'm just fascinated. And I go, there's so much out there and I don't understand even a small piece of it. But I want to. I'm always learning and, and to figure out that, hey, we're, we're floating around on this rock in some infinite kind of universe. We call it a universe. We don't, we, we don't even know if it's limited. It's really infinite because we don't know. There could be multiverses, you know. It's, it's mind-blowing, you know, the, the theory of relativity, you know, of time and space. You just, it blows my mind. And those are the things that keep me going because, you know, why am I here? You know, I'll, will I ever have that answer? Will we? I don't know. But while I'm here, 
I have to have purpose. You know, you have to fill that time with something positive. And that's why I talk also, I go a little bit into money and greed. You know, that money equals freedom and money has been villainized. And I wish we could go back to a barter and trade system. It would be nice, but I'm a realist. I know, and I do, believe it or not, I barter and trade. I do. I do it as much as I can. But, you know, money equals freedom and people go, I don't know about that one. I go, no, no, no. You're thinking greed. That's different. Money equals freedom in the sense that the more money you have, the more potential freedom you can acquire. The more freedom you have, the less money it takes to maintain that freedom. Right? If you're debt free, it takes you a lot less money to maintain that level of freedom than it was when you're loaded down with debt. Yeah. It takes far less. You, you it's a it's, whole chapter on decluttering your finances, which uh, is a great kind of uh, way, uh, you know, a, a model to think about how we might want to consider money as freedom <laughs> yeah. debts, and being more free in our time by having you know, money, but less uh, stuff that money has to go you know, to buy, as an example, more rigid. Well, more well and that's what I mean. You, you, know, you, don't, you want to use money as a tool. tool. And, yeah. you know, and when I defined greed, greed is when you continue to strive for more money when you no longer need it. That, that part of, your, of uh, your life's been taken care of. And I'm fascinated by greed too. I mean, to me, uh, the billionaires, it doesn't even compute in my mind. In my mind, I go, why would you want to be a billionaire? It, you know, it's a weird thought process to me because you've accumulated so much wealth that you and probably the rest of your generations of family could never spend that. And you hear people, well, I want my family to be taken care of. How about they figure it out on their own? Hmm. I'm just going to throw that one out there. How about they go earn it on their own and figure it out? And I'm not saying don't give, you know, gifts and, you know, obviously, but wouldn't that money be better placed to give it to something that's going to benefit a large group of people or help people in society instead of giving, you know, $10 billion to your family and they're going, you know what I mean? It's, it's a weird convoluted process because we're still trying to grasp those kinds of numbers because we've never seen these types of riches and, and almost an income disparity in a way. And that's a whole topic for another time, which will come in the next book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't even like to focus on that either because you can go and go, oh, I hate those billionaires. Oh, but what is that going to do for you? Nothing. Nothing. You can't control it. Raise your blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, raise your blood pressure. And I just look at it in fascination and go, well, that's not for me. And people go, well, you wouldn't want to be a billionaire? I go, no, not really. It, there's no benefit to it for me. How is it going to benefit my life? That is far beyond my needs. That's far beyond my family's needs. To pursue the, that's greed. That's how I define greed is when you pursue beyond what you need and you continue to pursue it, that is no longer a life purpose. I don't define it as a life purpose anymore. Um, and if you were helping people, you wouldn't have billions in the bank, right? <laughs> maybe those social media owners. Maybe we, you know, delve into that. These do-gooders who are all billionaires. Hmm, interesting. I don't know if I follow that. And that's social media. I have a chapter on there about that too. Yeah. Being careful with social media. Use it as a tool. 
You know, I, I spend 15 to 30 minutes a month on social media. I mean, there may be a little more here and there or less. I do not see a real benefit for me. I don't even really use it for my business. I use it in different forms, but I do not communicate on social media to promote my business as far as me on it every single day, pounding away. I don't. It's just I've decided, I decided a year ago that I just didn't, I didn't like it. Uh, I didn't like the feelings I got from it. And I found uh, just, again, I felt that most people weren't using it as a tool. It was a way to get free information. And again, that instant gratification. They had a question. They had to ask me right away, right? Got to get you on social media. And I tell people, when I wanted to contact someone I, like an author, that I loved their books when I was a kid, I had to write them a letter. It would take a week, maybe two weeks to get there. It would be in a pile. Maybe they would open it. Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe it'd just be destroyed. Maybe they would write me back. Today, as, as an author and a business owner, I'm uncomfortable with people being able just to reach out and grab me whenever they want. Because think of it, I have a life to live too. So, I look at it, I just, for me, it's a weird, a weird way of communicating. You know, I, and to this day, I tell people, if you send me an email, I'll answer it. But that doesn't mean an email is a slow, more of a slow trail, right? Because they can send it to me and I can see it, but I don't have to answer it right away. But if you don't answer something on social media right away, what, what, what's going on? You know, you'll get the hate and then the trolls and or if you answer something incorrectly, everyone sees it or you misstated or maybe you said something you was taken out of context. It causes this real angst. And I'm seeing a lot of negative out of it than positive. Yeah. That's so, why I put the chapter in there. Although uh, I haven't taken your vow <laughs> of, tech, of uh, social media celibacy. <laughs> I wouldn't say, and that's the thing, people will confuse. I'm not celibate in social media. I dabble in it. I use it again as a tool for my business. Yeah. I use it in different ways to reach people, but I don't feel being in there posting things and being in constant communication through social media benefits me or my, my true followers. It doesn't. You know, um, and uh, also what I'm teaching, right, in the simple life, if you're spending all your time on social media, you're not following what I'm teaching you, I was right? About to say, yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. So if I'm on there pounding away all day on the keyboards, posting uh, pictures of my cat um, or what I ate for breakfast, how does that make me a simple life teacher? Mm. Makes me a hypocrite mm. is what it makes me, you know? Yeah. Food for thought. For me, at least. <laughs> it's tough. Trust me. It was a very difficult decision to do. Um, because from a business sense, personally, people would be shocked. I hardly ever use social media personally. All my friends, man, we've known each other for a long, I got friends from when we were, we were babysat together. We nice. still talk to each other all the time. That's cool. I was real lucky. I have a very, very good circle. And that's why I talked about, uh, in the, I had a chapter on your, your, your social circles yeah, you do. and the importance of friendships and relationships. And, you know, for me, my friendships aren't fleeting. You know, I, I've got a core group that we've known each other forever and, you know, we would do anything for each other. That's another thing. And between social media and your social circles, 
I felt I had to address that because today a lot of relationships are fleeting. Yeah. It's what can I take from you to benefit from for myself instead of going, what can I do for you when you need help? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, how can I be a good friend? How can I be a good husband, wife, you know, father, mother? I think that's been lost in the shuffle a little bit. Agree. Agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously besides your book, <laughs> the simple life guide to decluttering your life, how to book of doing more with less and focusing on the things that matter. You know, obviously people should go out and read your book and all your other books, which we'll talk about another time. Um, yep. You're also available too. you know, if someone, you know, is looking for a coach or a consultant, first of all, how do they reach you and how do you work with them? Help them through well, this process. Yeah, it's a simple process. I have a contact form on my website, thesimplelifenow.com. You fill out, it's, I have instructions in there. You just fill out, you ask, I, I obviously I consult on many different aspects, living off the grid, RV living, health, entrepreneurship, writing. There's a bunch of different topics and basically I just charge you by the hour. I like it simple. You tell me what you need help on and we discuss it for an hour or however long you want. Um, and that's how it goes. Uh, I think again, we've made, you know, there's no super long checklists and surveys and you know, how I can capture your data. And I, no, it's very, it's very one-on-one. -on -one. It's you tell me what the issue is. We discuss it and I'll, I'll turn it down too. If I, if I don't have knowledge in what you, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna BS you. You know, it's gotta be a topic that obviously I, I, I know about and I write about. Uh, a man of integrity. And since we're talking about other of your books, let me just, you, met, you did mention this. <laughs> That's the new off the grid book. Yeah. Yeah. Which you and I will actually have a discussion at a later date to talk about. So if folks are interested in RV life, living off the grid, decluttering their life in multiple of ways, mind, technology, finances, health, um, they, can, they can go on your website, they can contact you, and they can set up a one-on-one -on -one coaching session, or depending on how it unfolds, maybe a couple sessions, but through your website. Your website, one more time. Is thesimplelifenow.com. Remember the now. If you end up thesimplelife.com, you'll probably end up on Nicole Richie's and Paris Hilton's maybe DVD set or something. I don't know. But yeah, I remember that. Or, you know, it's in my books too. I have my website listed in my books. So yeah, it's the best way to find my stuff in Amazon. All my books are sold worldwide and they're sold on Amazon. So awesome. Well, Gary, great to talk to you. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate you uh, coming on the show, and I look forward to our next conversation on uh, living off the grid and other such fun topics. Oh, definitely. If you couldn't tell, I love this stuff. So, uh, yeah, definitely so.